You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. On the way, I'm Beth White, your host today for uh, the our radio show, um, YouTube show, podcast from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I am going to do a little shift today in the show. Um, typically, we have a couple of different guests, and uh, we do two segments, but. Given where we are in the state of our world today, uh, I decided to just do a show with one guest and to have a more lengthy conversation about hope, the source of hope, and what does hope mean in our very divided world today. So I have asked Kevin Pease, who's the director of the IPS at Loyola, the Institute for Pastoral Studies at Loyola University, uh, the scripture school there. He's the director of the scripture school. To join me I you for our... Um, ongoing listeners, you may recognize Kevin. Um, And we're just going to talk today about uh, hope and where we find that hope. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Beth. I'm very grateful to be here with you and excited to talk about hope. Excellent. So I just want to talk for a moment about um, the name of the radio show. It's called On The Way. And it's kind of fun because it has two meanings. So the first meaning is that when you look in scripture, um, Jesus was kind of on the way to everywhere. So it was on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the Samaria, on the way. It was a, he was always, you felt when you read scripture, he, there's a lot of movement. He's, he's, he's a man on the move and, uh, and on the way, everything was happening on the way and everything happens in our lives on the way, like it's on our journey, right? So it's, it's kind of a play on that. And then of course we know Jesus is the way the way. So the show is sort of a play on that, um, on the way. Uh, So it's about evangelization. It's about helping people come to recognize that this Jesus who uh, took, was incarnated, um, it was, um, you know, over 2000 years ago, uh, he actually is still with us because of the resurrection. We're post-Pentecost people. So um, I just wanted to ground us in that, that as we talk today, um, this is going to be much more of a faith conversation uh, today than we might typically have. Um, so, so Kevin, um, I just, to ground us, um, well, just so our listeners know, Kevin, uh, a couple, right during uh, Holy Week, uh, I asked Kevin to host a retreat for um, some of us that work at the Pastoral Center, uh, people on my team and, and a few other colleagues on this whole sense of hope. And we were looking out over the fact that um, Russia had just invaded Ukraine. Um, we, oh, there was just so much going on then. Well, since then, we've had a lot more happen <laughs> in this world. Um, that has just, it takes your breath away. Uh, and I yeah. thought, who better to bring on than Kevin to talk about this? So, um, Kevin, for our listeners, perhaps you could share a little bit about the difference between optimism and hope. Gosh, Beth, I think that's a phenomenal question. And like we were discussing earlier about the dictionary definition, I think there is 
a tendency popularly when we hope for something to have a sense of wishfulness about it, as in we uh, wish for something to happen, but we're not necessarily sure it will. Um, and then we said that in the biblical tradition, hope has a more active sense. It's about trust and reliability. I think that to be optimistic then um, and to be hopeful are certainly related and similar. Mm -hmm. Optimism, I believe, uh, like the root of the word opt, is about perspective. So to maintain a sense of optimism or to be optimistic is to look or to see through eyes of mm -hmm. hope, perhaps. Uh, an optimistic viewpoint would be very biblical in the sense that we hope for something actively joyful, actively present in the world. And yet that's not to say that vision doesn't come uh, without a sight for suffering and pain that coexists in a world of joy, unfortunately. Hope, on the other hand, is as our, as our listeners uh, may or may not be familiar, one of three theological virtues. Things that we call virtue, of course, are rooted in God, who is goodness itself. Mm -hmm. And amongst the three theological virtues are hope, the other two being faith and love. Uh, love uh, being the greatest of all from which hope and faith derive are derived from. Um, so when we say that we are optimistic, we, we may say that we're viewing the world or viewing our experience or the experience of others through a lens that sees love, through a lens that sees faith, and through a lens that chooses active hope, not regardless of pain and suffering, but acknowledging it and then still choosing hope moving forward. So optimism sometimes, though, can be seen as um, not realistic. It can be seen as someone having rose-colored glasses, right, and not really yes. seeing reality, that the optics of looking at things in a very positive manner sometimes can mean that you don't see the reality of things. Um, mm -hmm. But hope is different, right? Hope allows for you to see the dark side and the bad and still have this sort of positive outlook, right? Is that what you're? Yes, I, I think that's fair, Beth. Yeah, I I think some of these definitions um, we, we wrestle with or we yeah, understand we via our um, secularity and popular culture, but in a very biblical sense, anything that has to do with hope acknowledges the reality of our existence. And unfortunately, as we all know from personal experience, the reality of our existence includes pain and mm -hmm. suffering. These things um, are things in which and of which God is present to us, of course, not being the cause of pain and suffering, but nevertheless walking with us, hopefully, towards places of joy and healing and brightness in the world. So in that sense, um, optimism is related to hope, but I agree with you, hope uh, in a truly biblical sense will, will acknowledge what is dark, what is painful, what is of suffering, and still choose God who walks with us always, even so. So when you said it's a theological virtue, can you explain what that means? Yes, of course. Thank you for allowing me to clarify that. The theological virtues are what we can say goodness is. So all things that are good in the world, things that we can interact with through our five senses, are rooted in theological virtue. So when God creates the universe, God creates all things, including you and me and our listeners and our viewers through faith, hope, and love. And by principle, then, the theological virtues make up our very being. So embedded in humanity, in our very skin, 
are these virtues that we can call upon to help us get through all stages of our lives. So at every point in our human existence, from birth, from conception, even all the way through death, we have access to faith, hope, and love. They're part of God's finger on our very hearts and souls and beings. So at no point are we bereft, even if we should be bereft of other resources, economic resources, um, social resources, uh, popular resources, we are never without faith, hope, and love. These things are intrinsic, these things are innate, and these things belong to us primarily as beings created in the image and likeness of God. That's so, why they are virtues. So not to challenge you on that, because I, I agree with you, but I, I want to push a little further there. So sure. we have a world right now where we're not where we're experiencing high degrees of hopelessness, a lack yes. of incredible faith, and more yes. hatred than I we can imagine. And so it's the yes. polar opposite of the three theological virtues. Um, I'm not sure what my question is, except when that's what we're experiencing in this world, when we're experiencing this divisiveness and um, gun violence run rampant in our streets, yes. um, and when we're seeing sort of the, the, the vitriol, you versus me, if you get something, that means I don't get something, um, that, that hatred, the um, there's nothing more than now. I've got to get everything I can now sort of culture that we're living in right now. How do you respond to that um, in terms of what we know as Catholics? <laughs> You're going to answer all the issues right. of uh, our world. <laughs> right, right, exactly. We're going to tackle them all. And, and, and I, again, I'm so grateful for your insight, your expertise, and for this question. I'd like to, especially since this is a conversation about faith, oftentimes I have the same conversation with my students, mm -hmm. with the students in our program at IPS Scripture School. And I like to take a moment to remind myself, to remind um, our students, our, our listeners, that evil is a, I hesitate to use the word reality because my mind goes towards intellectual philosophical definitions of that word, mm -hmm. which, which, we, which we don't need to get into. But the reality of evil exists yep. um, in that we all experience or witness tremendous pain and suffering as we are now, the things that you just described, like the war on Ukraine and other wars, uh, like the increase in gun violence, et cetera. We are experiencing hatred and division across the globe. These things all come, I would remind us, from not, not ultimately inside the human being. Human beings are created good, mm -hmm. not evil. Mm -hmm. Evil, biblically speaking, is an outside entity, mm -hmm. so to speak, that causes uh, a change of heart on the inside, that essentially seeks to make us forget who we truly are and to whom we truly belong, God. Um, when, when we forget who we truly are. It causes in us an anxiety and an insecurity that compels us to act out for um, a, a really a, a need for ultimately healing and love. Mm. When we are, when we feel inwardly broken, when we feel hurt, if we ourselves are in pain and lose hope, lose that sense of optimism, lose that sense of trust and reliability in the world around us, we act out in fear and that's when we'll pick up a gun at our extreme yeah. and use it to harm others, et cetera. So, so what I, I'm sorry, Beth, go oh, ahead. Oh, that's yes. okay. I, we have to take a break. And when we come sure. back, uh, let's continue this conversation. This is a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Beth.
Catholic Charities offers a wide variety of volunteer opportunities to those who want to share their time and help us serve people in need. Whether it's stocking the shelves of our food pantries, helping refugees learn the English language, tutoring school-aged children, becoming a mentor to young adults, sorting clothes in our clothing rooms, serving hot meals to those who are facing homelessness, or delivering meals and making cards to lift the spirits of our homebound seniors, we are deeply grateful to all those who want to join in our mission of mercy. Volunteer opportunities are updated weekly for people of all ages at ccofchicagovolunteer.com or just call us at 312-655-7053. That's 312-655-7053. Thank you for helping us follow Jesus' call to serve our neighbors in need. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school that to me I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning because really you are changing lives you are molding lives shape the next generation of leaders teach Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States, and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know i alive Cause I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking, come back to life Well I'm on my way I can't get there on my own Have a skate Welcome back to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your host this morning for uh, the radio show brought to you by the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, continuing my conversation with Kevin Pease, who's the director of the Institute for Pastoral Studies at Loyola University, the, the uh, scripture school there. So we're having a conversation. Um, just the biblical foundations of why we really um, should ground ourselves, need to ground ourselves in hope in this time that's so turbulent. Uh, and so Kevin, you were just saying before the break, and I'm sorry we have to take breaks um, because I could just talk to you nonstop. But same, um, same. but the whole concept of evil, which y- you <laughs> you come from um, Loyola University as an Ignatian school, for those of you that may or may not know that, and that Ignatius of Loyola um, really talked in the spiritual exercises about the spirits, right? And so he, yes. val- he was very... Um, very real about evil spirits and good spirits and how those can actually help to who you listen to and what you listen to and how that forms you. It was a beautiful statement you just said about when we forget who we are, when that human beings are good, that we are created in the image and likeness of God. I don't think you said that, but we are. Um, And that we are good and that we are holy. And it is when we forget that, when we get, distracted or when evil tells us we're not enough, we're not lovable, we're not good enough. That little voice that whispers to us and says, nobody loves you, nobody cares. Um, Man, that's evil. That's not from inside of us. That's actually the world speaking to us. Yes, Beth. Yes, I appreciate hearing your, your voice and 
your um, that that uh, encapsulation of our conversation because that's exactly it. That's what I was um, hoping to get across is that sense of discernment, like you. Uh, mm-hmm you were just referring to the Ignatian spiritual tradition and St. Ignatius of Loyola gave us this, um, this wonderful practice of discernment of spirits in which we can better, through which we can better detect either God's presence to us and in our lives or to what he refers to as the enemy or the bad spirit or the evil one. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we may popularly refer to uh, the evil one as Satan. Um, uh, the the history of of Satan or the Satan in the Bible is a complicated one, but the idea nevertheless uh, remains that there are forces, spiritual forces mm-hmm. that are evil and seek to prey on the good of which human beings come from, the good ultimately being God. And the objective of evil is to make the good forget that it is yeah. good and by forgetting increasing the evil in the world yeah and you know just as a looking at the world and as a mother i'm a mother of a 23 year old and and I, I i lament this world that um she's going to she's entering into as a young adult right and i think wow you know and i have incredible hope for her generation i really do i have a great deal of hope for them but i i also say that um i think this anxiety and the depression and this uh sense of hopelessness and isolation is really stemming from this um this you're not enough you're not good enough you're yes. um this this place of darkness that uh is just not of god and and yes. as catholics we know that we are loved unconditionally by god like who we are right in this moment it's not when we get perfect it's right. actually we are loved just like i love my daughter unconditionally like i love her do i like everything she does like not putting the dishes away or whatever no <laughs> but i love her and i've always said that and that's what god says to us and it's just so hard for people to trust that um yes especially when and i'm going to i'm going to open the door when religion is used as something to uh justify our own judgments instead of yes. reflection uh we decide so there's this phrase and it's not that i'm going to say people do this on purpose but what would jesus do is an interesting mm-hmm. um bumper sticker um it, it's a lovely sentiment but what it can become is me beth white deciding I know what Jesus would do in this situation. And one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is this whole sense of what did Jesus do that helps us understand where we are today that, and how Jesus in scripture, we can see it, but we also recognize that Christ lives within us, right. And lives within the church and lives within this world. And Christ is alive. Jesus is alive. Um, And so I don't know. I'm kind of going all over the place, not really asking a question, but it's more about just this concept of reminding people whose they are. Um, Yes. Yeah. And so how do you see that in scripture? That's an important part of how we can help people understand a little bit more about who God has created us to be. I love that distinction, Beth, between what would Jesus do and what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. What would Jesus do is a is a wonderful question in contemplation. It serves the spiritual imagination because, like you said, Jesus is still alive, is present to us always. But we do have the, uh, the memory of Jesus solidly preserved by the Gospels, mm-hmm. um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so when, when, whenever we we may have doubts about what Jesus would do, we can look back at what Jesus did do as preserved in the memory of the Gospels, and I I think that for today's conversation, again around hope, it's important to remember that the thing that Jesus says most in the Gospel tradition, especially excuse me, especially the synoptic tradition of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is do not 
be afraid. Yes. Do not be afraid, yes. which kind of in our world today, as we were discussing that seems a little, um, maybe paradoxical, maybe a little counterintuitive because there's, there's seemingly a lot of reason to be afraid. Um, I know I myself am approaching the world with a great deal of fear. But one of the things I guess I would also make distinction is that to not be afraid does not mean to not be smart, does not mean to not educate ourselves, does not mean to be uninformed. I think that what Jesus calls for in do not be afraid is this sense of conscience formation, that we have our eyes wide open to the reality of the world, which includes pain and suffering, and we monitor how we ourselves are going to live embodied lives of goodness, that is, through the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. So in the face of gun violence, then, for example, we can choose hope, acknowledging that gun violence is scary. We do not need to fear uh, gun violence leaving us without hope or leaving the world bereft of God's presence because what we're actively choosing and following Jesus is a life of missionary discipleship in which we enact hope and, and, and our hope in the world by choosing a place of, of courage in the face of fear. Do not be afraid. Yeah, and it's it's this that do not be afraid is is everywhere, right? And so within Jesus's, he just he says it um, to Peter. He says it when he walks into the room. He and it's this sense of um, it's it's the double side of. I had a friend that say said um, that um, that it isn't. It's not the opposite of love isn't hatred. It's actually fear. And I thought, yes. well, that's a really interesting way to think about that, right? Is that Jesus is saying, I got this. Live in love, live in faith, live in hope, and do not be afraid. And uh, that's hard, though. It's really hard because it sounds um, sort of fluffy and... Um, but it's not. So I, I'm going to share a quick story, and I think then we have to take a break. But this whole retreat that I asked Kevin to do, one of my colleagues, uh, she was not keen on this whole concept of hope and joy. It was really about joy, uh, right? Leading into um, reading into leading into Holy Week, she felt that we really needed to enter into suffering. And I said, "Trust yes. me on this. Trust me on this." And um, I know what I'm talking about. And so Kevin uh, had us focus on um, the prophet, the minor prophet Habakkuk, right? Um, yes, am I saying it right, Habakkuk? Uh, yes. And um, it's well worth a read and um, sort of an understanding. Only three chapters. Only three chapters. It's one, a very small book. Um, but one of the outcomes of that was he... Habakkuk, the whole world, like it was just, just like everything was a mess, right? Like the fig trees didn't even have figs, but he right. had faith in God and he had joy. And he said, I choose joy, basically, that God can fix this and that God. And one of the things that I walked away with is as bad as this world is, God loves this world and loves every single person in it and creation more than any of us who lament over it could ever imagine. And God can work through evil. He can work through dark times. He can make good happen. Um, and so I walked away with that, that it's really kind of helped me. We need to take a break now. Um, and so we'll come back and continue this conversation with Kevin Pease. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, 
We will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artchicago.org slash findaschool. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, and I'm continuing my conversation with Kevin Pease, who's the director for the Scripture School in the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University. Kevin and I are talking about um, the where our hope is grounded, and in this time, and we're in the um, middle of July, towards the end of July, I guess, um, and we just, this has been a hard two years, two and a half years of pandemic mm. and the violence and war and you name it, it just seems, and we're seeing becoming more and more and more divided. And then the distress of the economy, gas prices, you name it, it just seems to be kind of a dark time. And so we were, we're talking about um, hope. Um, and so I was just mentioning that we had this retreat and the walk away for me was this sense that God loves this world more than we can imagine. And I, I you know, I personally remember uh, on 9-11, uh, one of the most striking things to me, 9-11 was, I, I was in Boston at the time, and and um, I just, one of the most striking things was the way in which people loved up on each other. Our mm -hmm. instincts were to love. The instincts were for people to run in, were to take care of each other and I remember that people um, from the airplane and the people at the top of the towers they were able to leave messages for their loved ones and it was sort of extraordinary to a person they said I love you I just want you to know I love you it wasn't you know don't forget the dishes or whatever it was love right yeah. um, it's in our heart and when you said that earlier about it's it's who we are the theological virtues of this sense that our core is faith because we're as human beings we have to have faith that the sun will come up tomorrow <laughs> and that yes. and that faith in that this chair i'm going to sit on um in this world where we question truth at like your truth my truth like there are truths right they're like it, yeah. it, it, it you know science whatever um and but this sense of faith hope and love um and uh anyway i just wanted to say how much i was grateful for that because the one of the takeaways was that we have to choose hope we have to choose joy 
like it, 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 we have to choose it. It isn't something you have to live it, right? You can't just be like, oh, whenever it comes at me, it's not something we have, it's internal. And it is exactly that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I appreciate that you mentioned here for our conversation, the prophet Habakkuk, mm -hmm. because in his day, for those who may be unfamiliar with Habakkuk, he is a prophet from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, who prophesies the doom, essentially, of the ancient Israelite temple in Jerusalem, alongside other prophets, of course, who, who prophesy the same. And his fear is that if the temple should fall, with it will, will leave God's presence to the people, God's abiding, loving, sustaining presence. So it's an incredibly scary time for him. And one of the uh, images we get from this book, the, the prophecy of Habakkuk, is him standing on a rampart. He's up on a wall, so to speak. And we can imagine him maybe tearfully gazing up at the night sky contemplating the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of um, enemy conquerors and with it all of his people. And he basically pleads with God and asks God for an answer to his question about what it is that will redeem him, what it is that will redeem his people. And God responds to him, which is one of the most powerful parts of the prophecy. Mm -hmm. We often pray to God and, and, and feel like God maybe will not answer. But the promise of the prophecy is that in God's own time and in God's own way, God replies to every prayer. God replies to every plea. And all we're asked to do, according to the prophet, is to wait patiently. Now, we might think that waiting patiently is a passive exercise, but it is, it is not. Like you say, Beth, to wait patiently is an act, is an mm -hmm. act of hope. It's recognizing that we are exactly where we are in our lives. We have purpose created in faith, hope, and love, and that we are relying and trusting on the God who promises us faith, hope, and love, and answer for more love in the world. All we need to do is show up, do our very best every day to be the most authentic version of ourselves, which will always ground us in faith, hope, and love. And that kind of outpouring in the world is exactly what fights against evil. It, the um, He also, that, that it's beautiful because it's basically like, you have to be patient because it's in God's time. Like, Yes. God basically is like, uh, yeah, I, I'll take care of it. But yeah, you don't get to tell me when. <laughs> that's right. right. When we come, and that's a hard thing to sit it with, is. isn't it? It's very hard. It's Especially for people with. like us in this country that are so driven and we think it's all on us. That we have a culture right. that is telling us that it's you know it's all about success and and it's on you and you got to do all these things and this whole concept of patience and waiting being an act that seems like wasting right. time. We got to get on with it, right? So it's a very counterintuitive way to think about things. So we're going to take one last break and we'll be back to continue our conversation with Kevin Pease. Thank you, Beth. Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. 
You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school that to me I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning because really you are changing lives you are molding lives shape the next generation of leaders teach Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. We are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day, knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host for On The Way <laughs> from the Archdiocese of Chicago's Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. I am having a conversation with Kevin Pease um, from Loyola University's IPS uh, School of uh, uh, Scripture School. Sorry. I've said it so many times now. I'm trying to say it different <laughs> ways. Um, and I'm like, uh, stumbling over my words. So we were uh, talking it's about. I know it is IPS School, <laughs> Loyola University. Um, we were talking about um, Habakkuk and this patience and waiting. And I just I'm, I I want to read um, a little bit of First Corinthians um, mm-hmm. because I think we hear love is patient, love is kind, and we maybe think of weddings and things like that. But there's a part of it that's really strikes me. So we know that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. And so these are the things we need to be thinking about how we are with one another. If we want to overcome this evil in our world, person by person, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. But as for the prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. And this is the part 12 and 13 that always has struck me. For now, we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now... Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. We only see dimly now. And that's the whole Habakkuk thing. We do not see the full picture. We cannot see all that is. But what we can do is do our part, right? 
we can be more patient, more kind, more loving, less boastful, less resentful. And we can actually try to live this out in a way that we bring to our little, our relationships, our workplace, our loved ones, this sense of faith, hope, and love. Because sometimes, I mean, Kevin, at the end of the day, all this stuff happening, what brings us hopelessness in our lives and isolation and anxiety is the people in our lives or the lack Mm -hmm. thereof, right? Mm -hmm. And so this Mm -hmm. ties into the evangelization concept because when we talk about evangelization, I don't, we never talk about going out and like preaching on that. I mean, there are people are gifted with that. There are people that are gifted of preaching on the street corners, and I'm not going to denigrate anybody's gifts because we know that. But when we're talking about evangelization, it's this very simple thing of knowing whose you are and who you are and who this Jesus is and that you are loved unconditionally and to share that with others so that they know they are loved and that God isn't this judging, unmerciful, unkind, unjust God. (laughs) You know, sometimes when I hear people describe God, I'm like, well, I'd be an atheist too, because I don't think I could. (laughs) I had nothing to do with that God, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree, Beth. I think there's, um, unfortunately, a lot of the way we live our lives, especially as people of faith, um, is dependent on our image of God. Yes. If we view God in such a way um, as someone who will ultimately punish or condemn us, we might act accordingly. Yes. Um, if we view God as a God who, as you've mentioned earlier, loves us without condition, loves us just as we are, brings us into being through faith, hope, and love, and calls us back to himself through faith, hope, and love, we might also act accordingly. To read the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, and this is sort of where um, I'm most grateful for our students, for uh, for scripture school, is that we learn to, to read about a God who from beginning to end is love across the board. And that's not through rose-colored, no lenses that's through a a real sense that the god who creates us into being through faith hope and love journeys with us in every hard time through every moment of pain and suffering until god can call us back in faith hope and love and god does that each and every moment in every one of his moments as we wait patiently actively as we choose hope as we choose joy. Mother Teresa says, I love this quote, has stayed with me always since I've heard it, but we can do, none of us can do any great thing. We can only do small things with great love. So I think showing up in the world patiently, acknowledging the gifts that we do have, acknowledging the things that we can control, namely ourselves, and then letting the rest be God's, can create for much more hope in the world than we have today. Do you know something that I do, Kevin, is that when I'm out shopping or and I, you know, go to the jewel or I um, I really go anywhere, I, I try to look catch the person's eyes at the drive through, at the checkout, and I will literally look them in the eye and go, How are you doing? How 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 are you doing? And they're so taken aback by being noticed by the eye contact. Uh, And then I try to chat with him a little bit. And so often I will get sort of, oh, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much. Or, oh, or I'll say, you know, oh, isn't it, if they're at a drive-thru, isn't it nice? We have good weather today. You're so late, whatever. And I don't, I do it because I recognize that behind anybody's eyes, we don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know the complexities and that we have a responsibility to each other to bring a little bit of joy. And when I'm having a really bad day, um, that means a lot to me when someone's really kind to me. Uh, and it sounds hokey, but it isn't. It's that basic human contact, right? Yes. And I love that. I love that example, Beth, and your example of that, you know, so seemingly in the grand scheme of things, those are such small things, but those are the things that people remember. Those are the things that actually make a difference. And I think that's, 
that's as much of that's as much as any of us can do on a day-to-day basis is to remember that we can make differences in the smallest of ways that are actually the biggest of ways. I mean, how many times have you um, had someone let you over in traffic and you're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) Because you got in that lane and you didn't realize that it was the lane that like went to nowhere and everybody else knew. um, And it's just those moments of, and then there's the jerk who won't let you over and you're like, you're really seriously. Um, And it's the, and then you get like, I don't know. And then you get frustrated and then you bring that frustration to someone else. Right. This is a, this is the energy we give and we send out there. We are either bringing positivity or we're not. Right. And it's so, and I don't mean to, I am not trying to rose collar glass and say by being nice to people, we're going to end gun violence or anything imagination. I just think that maybe if we could start talking with each other and seeing each other as God's children and maybe working together, we could find some solutions because I mean, it is on us in that to be sort of recognized that we do have a responsibility for one another. It's not just Beth, what Beth wants. Right. And that's part of, anyway, I'm digressing. I I wanted to give you a few minutes um, to talk a little bit to our listeners about uh, the, the school, about the, um, the scripture school. And it's, end of July. And I'm sure you're going to uh, signing people up. And perhaps maybe somebody um, is listening today and is like, gosh, I'd really like to get to know who that God is a little bit more, or who Jesus is a little bit more. And, and scripture is such an amazing way to do that. Um, and so tell us a little bit about the scripture school. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate the opportunity to share about the Scripture School with our listeners. We are a program for adult learners at Loyola University Chicago, and currently our program remains online. Since during COVID, we moved from on-site learning to online learning. So anyone in Chicago who has access to the internet, access to a computer, or who's even listening from out of state or abroad is welcome to join our program. We are a program that ultimately runs four years long, if if one so chooses, but our individual courses are 10 weeks at a time, and they're themed. They're based around specific segments of the Bible. So for example, in the fall, beginning in September, we'll launch our new online New Testament Foundations program, in which we'll be studying and learning about the gospel of Luke and the gospel of Mark. So specifically, who is Jesus through the lens of the evangelist Luke, through the event, the the lens, excuse me, of the evangelist Mark. And then we move uh, on to the letters of St. Paul in January, and then conclude with the Gospel of John in the spring. So it's uh, it's really a journey. The school is is facilitating people's journeys through the Bible in a, a structured format. We are a group of faculty Uh, employed by Loyola University Chicago to help students read the Bible through a critical lens, a Catholic lens of interpretation, which involves looking at history, looking at science, looking at uh, contemporary voices of the prophets and other resources to help us understand time and place, audience and authorship, of which it is all inspired, of course, by the God who breathes Uh, uh, the word into being and ultimately incarnates in Jesus himself. So we're really excited for the launch of our September program. If anyone is interested, they can always access our information on our website, which is luc.edu slash IPS. That's luc.edu slash IPS, or can directly contact me. My email address for anyone who might be listening and have a pen with them is K for Kevin, last name Pease, P-E-A-S-E, or Peace with an S, at luc.edu, and I can get you all signed up and registered, or I'm happy to answer more questions for you, should you have them. You are most welcome. We would love to have you join our school. And what is the um, cost of that per 10-week course? For a 10-week course, we are at $150. Well, that's great. 
it's not bad. Yeah. We try to make it as affordable and as, as and accessible as possible. For three units, which is 30 classes over the course of our academic calendar, it's $400. So by signing up for all three in advance, one saves $50. So we really, oh. we are a university-led program, okay. but we're not like, it's not like tuition, you know, the way yeah. that tuition might sound in the ears. We're really, we're, we're a program that facilitates learning for the people of God at the most reasonable prices that we can offer. And is it just in English or are there other languages or? Thank you for asking, Beth. Yes, we are bilingual. We have an English-speaking program, and we have a Spanish-speaking program, and a brand-new cohort of Spanish-speaking students will begin in September. So I am so excited about all of the learning that will happen this year in Scripture School and look forward to meeting our new students soon. And so at the end of four years, what does that equip you for? Good question, Beth. So because we we are Loyola University, a Catholic university, we want to continually partner with the Archdiocese of Chicago. So uh, students who enroll in our program can choose to either what we call audit the program, which means they'll just come, they'll listen, they'll participate, they'll engage in the community, but it's mostly for personal um, enrichment. Or If someone was a little bit more serious about Bible study, scripture study, they can work towards what we call a certificate in scripture study. So that would mean that on a weekly basis, students would uh, receive a list of questions that they would answer based on that week's reading. And at the end of every year, Loyola gives them credit for for that work. And at the end of four years, they receive an advanced certificate, which would qualify them in the archdiocese to, for example, say at a parish, lead their own um, small faith sharing group or Bible study. If anyone was seeking um, uh, credits for catechesis training, et cetera, that's also something applicable. So it really is more of a vocational call for the certificate program versus for an audit student who might just want to be involved in a community of faith around Bible. That is wonderful. I know that's a um, a real gift that uh, Loyola brings to this diocese in terms of offering this. Uh, there are so many people that have gone through this program over the years, and they just it's such a wonderful gift. And now that it's online, you can access it anywhere, which is wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you so you, much, Beth. Kevin. I, are we're um, sort of out of time? I think. I think we have like a, just like a few seconds left. Uh, <laughs> is there any last um, minute message or anything that you would like to leave for our listeners? Only the same thing that Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John: love one another, love one another, endlessly and without end. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time. This went very quickly for me. I don't know about you. So, for uh, me too, guys. Yeah. I could talk to you all day. I, I know. Hope I can come back and have more <laughs> conversations about hope with you. All right. You have a wonderful uh, day, and uh, we will talk soon. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, God. Thank God you. bless you. God Come bless on. you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.